Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying your fantasy footy preseason for 2022. The good news is the practice games are happening right across this weekend. The official preseason community series is underway next weekend. And we're under three weeks away from your 2022 fantasy year getting underway. We thought on this episode of the Coaches Panel, we'd steer away from your salary cap conversations of the game and a real draft focused episode for you joining me on this though is to call him a draft spurt is probably too far but he's probably best known in the coaches panel as the guy that likes drafts the most i've got jimmy hello mate how are you Oh, all right, MJ. Hello, listeners. Um, I think there's a few of us on the panel that are quite fond of drafts, and I'm certainly no more an expert than anyone else, but this is good fun. Let's have a chat. Come on, mate. We're meant to sell the hope. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. Follow my advice. You'll win premierships freaking Thank everywhere. You. There we Thank go. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Yep, Thank that's you. it. Well worth the price of admission. Patreon.com. Yeah. Sign up now. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and yeah. that's the episode, everybody. We'll see you later yeah. next week. No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, we, the, one of the things that kind of sets Coach's Panel apart from, from everybody else is we love to talk about all formats uh, and I love all game styles as well. means for you, if you're kind of, you're, uh, your fantasy footy uh, diet can't consume all the content and product offerings that are out there, and there are plenty of great ones out there, mm. we've kind of got enough of everything for you to kind of help you through. It's one of the unique differences about the Coach's Panel. Um, and the other is that Jimmy's on it. But um, let's talk specifically about drafts on this episode. Even if you're a salary okay. capper, though, I think there'll be some stuff for you. Uh, right at the top, Jimmy, I'm, I'm really keen on your perspective on this. In a single season league, how mm. different is the drafting approach and mindset coaches should be heading into their draft day this year mm. in comparison to maybe some previous years? Um, I guess... I don't know that it's necessarily a different approach. I think it's the same sort of thinking, but coming to different conclusions, I guess, in that this year, as with the last couple, there's that kind of that COVID cloud hanging over our head. We don't really know what the season's going to look like from that point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just got to assume business as usual till we know otherwise. Um, You've got, players like here's your first little tasty tip every morning when i wake up i log into uf and i have a look and see if james Titus has been loaded into the system yet um because if you've already done your draft um he'd be sitting there as a free agent when he does come um and even if he's there as a restricted free agent it'll be 24 hours before he's unlocked so if you get a chance to nab him do that um there you go and there'll be other potentially other um you know covert top-up players top-up loaded players in throughout in, yeah, the yeah. year that's it so that's one thing I guess to keep an eye on. But I think coming into a draft, what I, I like to do is just sort of have a look at what the depth of players are in each position. Um, right. you know, who do I like in the, the sort of top tier of forwards? Who do I like in the top tier of backs and the rucks and the mids? And and how deep does it go in that before I'm starting to stretch it a bit and go, I'm not real happy with loading this guy as one of my top one or two in that line um, and kind of build your draft around that, I guess. Um 
you know, I see a lot of, um, you know, definitive draft ranking spreadsheets come out around this time hmm. of year and it'll categorically say, yes, Petrarca is ranked above Dunkley or, you know, that, you know, Oscar McInerney is ranked above, um, God, I don't know, Jake Stringer. Um, sure. And that might well be the case, but as, as a, from a, certainly a purely footballing sense, but from a, a draft point of view, I think you, on the day you, you got to be flexible, you know, and you pick what suits your side, and you don't get caught on a run for the sake of it. And um, yes. so, for me, I like to group those rankings by type of player rather than by, you know, necessarily a single list of this is the order I want to take players in. Is it almost the the vertical and the horizontal drafting all at the same time? A lot of people either choose to do a real linear ranks mm. of, like you say one to you know, 250 yeah. as the number others go purely on here are my tier one defenders here mm-hmm. are my tier one forwards here are my tier two mids but the challenge is i think somewhere in between is well how do you rate a tier three mid in comparison mm-hmm. to a tier two defender or a tier two yeah. forward and is that where uh, it's kind of sounds like you're saying it without saying it this horizontal and vertical approach in mm. terms of a rankings is probably a more preferred option rather than one or the other. Yeah, I, I think so. That that's that's what works for me, certainly, I guess, is and and right. just being flexible on the day and that if you've already drafted six mids, you probably don't need you know the next midfielder if you haven't got many defenders yet. And so if you're looking right. at that point of view, you know, what adds more value to your team at that point. So I think yeah, being flexible is probably the key thing in that. Um yeah, that that's it's good. I'm, I'm curious on your take. We've talked about it a lot through the 50 most relevant mm. um, around this perceived lack of depth in the forward line, um, yep. that how quickly it falls away. I think the ultimate caveat for every draft, whether it's single season or keeper league, all comes mm. down to the two biggest variances, which is squad sizes and the amount of teams. That really determines yeah. what's on field, probably oh, hugely. the third factor playing on field with five defenders as opposed to three defenders mm. um, playing on with 16 coaches opposed to six coaches. Like the variance really blows out drastically. Oh, and, absolutely. Lines- and, and the biggest oh. one in that is whether you're playing with two rucks on field or one. Um, oh, yeah. And that's, that changes the whole order of everything very, very quickly. Uh, Cause mm. there's only so many rucks to go around. Um uh, and and to a degree on that, whether there's um, a utility spot available or not as well. Um, That's true too. Yeah, as, as again, another factor to consider in that. Um, but as far as Ford specifically go, it does seem like they're a little light this year. But to me, it's more that there's a lot of high risk, high reward with a lot of them. At the top of um, the tree? Or certainly at the top the of the tree. And then yep. even in that next sort of tier down, you know, where we talk about players like um, Taron Thomas at this time of year. and Butters is probably uh, in the mix of that. Butters Heaney. is another one like that. Heaney, um, Stringer, you know, those sort of second tier ones that have the potential to to average at the top Popper. tier kind of point, um, yep. but could quite easily drop you an average of 70 odd for the year. And, you know, you'd look back in six months time ago. Yeah. That doesn't surprise too much. Um, so it's going to be, I think with most of the Fords, a fair bit of risk and reward from that point of view. Um, yep. So for me, I guess with that in mind, I'm kind of looking at them from a ceiling perspective in that, um, you know, who's going to help when they do pop, who, you know, 
who's going to help more. Um, I hate drafting a guy that you can almost pencil in a 75 for, you know, as a forder back at the start of the year and go, yep, he's going to give me about that. Week in, week out, he's scoring 65 to 80. So like that's reliable and that's example. all well and good. That Sorry? sort of got it like a Papley. Is that the type? Yeah, of yeah. Um, rarely do they hit the 100 mark or anything much over. Rarely are they going to drop you a 50 or anything less, but they, they're just consistent. I hate that kind of player. I don't want many of them in my team. I want the guys that can pop the big 120. Um, I actually like a quality key forward in my draft team just so that I've got that capacity to really get a good score, especially if you've got the loopholes enabled. So um, you're more chasing, talking about chasing the ceiling of a player than the... Yeah the low scoring range. So it, again, these might not be the right sort of players to contrast them to, but they're probably mm. available in similar price uh, spots on a draft day is if a Papley or a Connor Nash is there, yeah. would you more look towards the Nash and gun? Look, he's popped more nineties in a mm-hmm. small opportunity in that midfield go. He got last yeah. year. There's every chance I drop him after round two. Mm-hmm. So that's your, why do you go for the, cause some might yeah. go, it's the consistency of scoring that's going to win you your draft day rather than the variance of basement and ceiling. Yep. Would you agree with that statement or are you always chasing ceiling in a draft no matter what? Um, for the most part, I'm chasing ceiling. Um, right. you know, and you do want to find those players that others don't value for whatever reason that, yeah, you know, they, they might drop that lower score, but it's not likely to be in the 40s. You know, it's not going to really burn you. And if you've got someone else putting up a decent score, at least you get somewhere with it. Um, but yeah, you missed a consistent at the in the seventies is of, of little interest to me, other than as maybe my you know, my fifth or sixth player in that line, rather than the yeah you know, the third or fourth. I'd rather chase ceiling. Um, yep. And if I nail one or two big forwards early, and then I avoid them for a while and fill up on mids because there's so many there that are worth having. Um, when I'm coming back at the end of it, I'm more likely to take a. Uh, who's an example? Uh, even a, um, you know a Tom Lynch at, at Richmond sure. or a. Um, uh, a um, you know Dixon of last year is a perfect example, or, or Tex sure. even, you know, where they've got that. If they kick four or five or six goals, that ceiling is just huge. Mm. Um, they might drop the odd poor score, but again, particularly if you've loophole yep. them and you don't have to have that on field, happy days. Yeah, okay, that, that, that's really good. So where it's always dangerous entering into your draft day with this predetermined mindset because, like I said, the variances can happen on draft day so drastically either way. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a spot on draft day? Because in some leagues, they let you choose. Other leagues, there's millions of different ways you can pick your draft spots. Um, let's just run the premise of the assumption of it's a 10-team league. Sure. Let's, let's break them into thirds. You've kind mm-hmm. of got picks one to four, mm-hmm. picks five to seven, and then mm-hmm. picks eight to 10. If you had a choice of which um, spot of those three you'd want to be in, Mm. Do you, is there again? It depends on the amount of people in the league, all the spots, squad sizes, the format, all this, all that. But if we're just yeah. picking ten, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a snake draft, yeah. which of those thirds do you feel this year might have a slight advantage in contrast to maybe previous spots? I this year especially yep. would really love to be in that sort of yeah you know, first one or two picks. Um, okay. Because a lot so of people three are saying, or four, to a degree, yeah, a uh, lot of people seem to be thinking for maybe even five, where you pick up the crumbs from the table. Why yeah. are you so bullish on that on that top end, and ultimately what you get back on the turn? I would say it's about the next turn is where that is. Right. I think the the top sort of probably 
six or seven, you know, you're not going to be upset. Even, you know, realistically at pick nine, you're not going to be upset with the guy you pick, the top you handful. Of, yeah, that's it. No. Happy that, you know, you're going to be happy with whatever you land. Um, but it's more about having ideal, you know, if you get pick one, I think this is a really good year to get pick one, to be honest, in that not just because of pick one and getting the player that you want more than any other. You love Jack Steele, happy days. If you're in love with Petrarca, enjoy. If you want to take Gorn, hmm. you know, whatever. There's arguments to be made for any one of them, but it's coming back at the other end and getting players, you know, number 20 and 21, that that's where I think the real value is more so than getting the double at 10, 11, and then having to wait until the end of the third round before you get another pick. Yeah, I really like, because what, again, you know, our friends at the Draft Doctors have this brilliant tool with mm. the mock draft simulator. Again, depending on the intensity of the type of league you're in of if draft is their thing or they just do it for fun with the mates or it's the mm. it's the um it's the side chips on their fantasy footy season depending on how much focus they have a tool like that is is very much the hardcore coach that's yeah. drafting over and over and over that helps you with some adps but but even using that as the example we're seeing guys like andy brayshaw be a guy that you can get if you're on that back end of the second round mm. you're able to get an Andy Brayshaw at the back of the second front end of the third and that does feel like regardless of the format you play a player like him or a Petrarca at that point on the draft yeah there, there's some big wins there even if it means you yeah. are missing out on Duncan, Taranto, Dunkley, Lloyd, Whitfield types. That's it and I'm, I'm happy I think this year especially to miss out on one of them at this point, um, take two or three of the next best options uh, you know, in the, the fourth or fifth sort of round. Um, but, you know, make sure that I can set up the that initial core of the team in those first three rounds. You know, if three picks inside 21 to me sounds a lot better than having to wait a bit longer. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And is that the would you have the same approach, again, just to kind of mm. jump sidestep to a keeper league? Yeah. Um, and again, for Patreons, you can go back and check. Kane and I created a, a top 50 keeper ranks and built them into about eight or nine tiers. So you can go and check that out. Um, mm -hmm. Patreons get that as a part of there. But for you this year, looking at it again, it all depends on amount of teams, amount on field, yeah, amount of course, you keep of in your league, yep. amount you mm -hmm. hold on as keepers. So that's yeah. always the big caveat. But again, using those three spots for a brand new keeper, mm -hmm. is it a same spot for you? You'd rather that first choice rather than the see what crumbs off that top tier um yeah on face value i think so this year to be honest yeah. um yeah I, I mean especially with the keeper the the guys you pick in those first few rounds are players that you want to be holding for a long long time mm -hmm. um and getting the option to get the player you want more than any other yeah straight off the bat that's worth something i think that you know, it makes your heart feel good when you log in and see your team that's that's nice I think that's what you are looking for in a keeper league, isn't it? That's you it. Are you not want just players looking... you own, players you enjoy having on your team. You don't want to own Jake Stringer there. You don't want to. Yeah. Um, no offense, Jake. But no, no, not at all. No, but it's. But your um, point is, unless you love him, you might be an Essendon fan and you're all over that scene. That's fine. Good for you. We'll pray for you um, later. I don't that's want fine. That. But yeah, that's um, it. I'd rather log in and see Taryn Thomas and Sam Walsh and go, yes, that's. Oh, I've set my team up very nicely there. So it is the, the enjoyment piece. Absolutely. Is probably there more than, because a single season yeah. league, you could see you're getting to round six, round seven, round eight, let alone the teen rounds and go, look, the guy's just there. I have to take him. Yeah. Even if it's not a player, you, you know, use a player example. 
you get to round 12. Jake String is the name we've already used again. We're not, it's not a pile on, it's just using no, of course, illustration of course, of course. But go, there are a lot of other names we could have used there. In course, fairness, it's just more for, for the sake of it. Is you first go, one that came to mind, correct? It was a friend of mine, mate. That's why. Um, and you just went, I get to round 12, I really only have one good forward. Okay, the value far outweighs my, yeah, I, I don't like it sort of pick. Whereas in a single season league, it's all about these next 22 weeks and it's mm. not a it, it's all just about the premiership in that year not the dynasty of the list build um that's it that you're, you're going about trying to make so um, speaking of keeper leagues again um people are at this point in time doing their redraft mm. of keeper leagues so again some keep 10 some keep six some keep 20 some keep 35 um, yeah. and and each has a different level of how many players you will redraft back. But mm-hmm. if we just look at the kids for a moment, I know you and I are in, in a league with, with many of the members of the coaches panel and we've done mm-hmm. our redraft and, and maybe we've all got some more to come, but everybody knows Dacos and Horn Francis. Uh, yeah. I think they're the consensus. It might not be accurate. That's probably mm-hmm. the consensus of the top two kids mm-hmm. to pick from this crop. Who's the next group along? Mm-hmm. And then another question off the back of that is, who are those, if you don't get a quality kid, mm-hmm. who's something that you might pick up late as a fly that could really pop for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's so many articles out there on the rookie kids to, to watch this year, and, and most of them are going to probably give you a little more detail or uh, accurate sort of idea than I would. But I, I really like um, Erasmus this year. I think he's got something special about him. Um, um, Ward's yep. been talked about a lot. Um, Hawthorne, yep. Yep, at Hawthorne, um, Hobbs as well. Um, and Sin at Port is the other one that I really, really like. Um, they're probably the the next little group for mine. Um, Rochelle at Adelaide is probably, um, if not in that group, very, very close to it too. Right up on it. Where's Callahan um, in contrast to that group? Because again, some people yeah. follow it really closely mm-hmm. and follow the junior numbers and others just yeah. go, I'll mimic the AFL draft as long as they're not key position players. Where does he sit? Because I've seen him go in that top six because I think yeah. you're right, that's kind of that top crew. Mm-hmm. And the first non-mid is Rochelle or yep. Rochelle. Where does Callahan sit? Because I've seen him in a bit of both. Yeah, look, on face value, if he'd been drafted to St Kilda or North, he'd probably be in that group as well, you'd think. Yeah, um, right. It's um, And it might be a flawed way of thinking, but I look at where um, some of the other really talented ball winners that have been drafted by the Giants over the last couple of years just haven't had that opportunity to stake their claim properly yet. Yep. Um, it might take two years and he gets traded to to Essendon or, or um, Port or Freo or wherever else, and he does get that opportunity, um, he might um, he might force his way in as Tom Green has and, and actually get a good chance sooner than we expect. But there's just that little more risk and that little more patience required, I think, to make him a worthwhile investment for that longer term, um, yeah. which means that, yeah, if you can snag on him late in the, the first round or, or he slips even further, then happy days by all means. Um, load up on that, particularly if you don't need a player to make an impact right away. Um, but for me, yeah, he's one that um, I'd probably have just on the outside of that first group. Yeah, okay. So th- there's a couple of the guys, again, depending on the level of research, you mm-hmm. dig Dean into keeper leagues. And again, generally, it's quite a standardized AFL fantasy and dream team 
scoring and, and again keeper leagues could mm-hmm. be done in any of the formats that you choose to play these days our preference is ultimate footy slightly biased but we think it's got the best customizations and abilities yeah. for, for commissioners to really hold um certainly not the most beautifully aesthetic looking uh, no. of all of them but we think it's the most functional um off there Everyone sees what Nick Dacos and Horn France has done. Jump on. You, you mentioned Ward, who's yeah. got that junior averages of well over 100. Mm-hmm. Then there's a couple of names I'd love to throw out. If you miss that six or seven, where's yeah. Connor McDonald? Because he's got one of the better yeah. fantasy averages, albeit he might be fighting his way back into that side. Similarly, his teammate in Ned Long. Yeah, sure. Um, McDonald of the two, I do like more. Um, yep. And yeah, I, I think... Um, he just needs to get his chance. And, and when he does get that chance to show that he can use it well, as well as just accumulate. Um, yeah. I don't think um, Mitchell's the type that's going to um, suffer fools easily. And um, yeah, even a, a yeah, I, I think a, a team can only really have one Tom Mitchell in its yeah. side at a time. Um, and when you've got the Tom Mitchell in your side, you're not, um, you're not putting another one next to him where they're just going to handball back and forth to each other all afternoon. So that's, um, yeah, that again, I, I might be well off the mark with that, but my first impression is, yeah, absolutely um, quality from a fantasy point of view, but as to when he gets his chance and to what sort of a role he gets to ply that in, um, yeah, I That's don't know. The thing. That's so, the question mark. So we've talked about the Dacos, the Callahan, the Rochelle, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the kind of that big six, mm. uh, maybe it's a, it's a bit loose. It's really like a big two or three and then a really good another yeah. two or three off the back. It's a of long that. tail this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long tail. So if you are at pick eight, seven, eight, nine mm. on, on this redraft of a keeper league, mm-hmm. at what point do you move away from a gun kid that you think mm. you can hold? And again, I know the variance is how many you keep, how many on field, how many coaches, all of that. Yeah. The other variance but, is how close do you think you are to a flag and well, how, that was far, my how much do you want point. to push it? Um, yeah, if you're at the back end fine. of the first, yeah. you probably are having off a good year. When do you move mm. from gun kid to best in the pool that could pop for you? Look, it might even be at that first pick that you, you know, I think, yeah. and it really depends on who's in that pool and of what value they are for where you sit. And that um, if you've got a player that, you know, was missed last year that, you know, could be a good option and, um, you know, or, or yeah, that someone's had to delist because they just don't want them anymore. Or, yeah, you've got um, that potential to add value to your on-field team. Um, You don't need that long-term investment yet. Then, yeah, absolutely. Go nuts. First round. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to be said for not following the trend. And that doesn't just mean, you know, if a run on defender starts, don't just take a defender because everyone else is, you know, look at Mm. what your team actually needs most. And I'd argue the same with the rookies. So, each draft, uh, each keeper redraft starts with a run on rookies. Mm. But you got to look at that objectively. Do you need one of those kids right now? Do you wait a couple of rounds and pick up a, a McDonald then or a, um, you know, someone else that might have been missed along the way um, and, and just take the best available player in the draft straight off the bat? Yeah, because every year we, we see it in, in keeper leagues. Again, the variance mm. is how many you keep. But there mm-hmm. are some keeper leagues that have thrown have had to throw back based on who they keep. Yeah. Someone like a Trent Rivers, who mm-hmm. two years ago, people were going, oh, this is the Michael Hibbard replacement at Melbourne, and they he's going to be the quarterback guy year four, year five. Chances are you could probably go and pick him up. 
in yeah. your keeper redraft. There are guys that went, and again, this is probably not a good keeper league, but people that went, I hated Will Phillips last year because he was terrible from a scoring perspective and throw him back into the pool. Again, that's the kind of keeper league I want to be in. Uh, um, I almost consider taking him with a top five pick this year. Well, and Despite that's the key, isn't kids, it? Yeah. Is we kind of see the new draftees and it's almost that, oh, Callahan could be amazing or Erasmus could be amazing. It's like, yeah, but mm. Phillips has had an extra 12 months in the system. Exactly. Maybe you don't need to do it. So again, I think that's a part of all those factors and flavors that you build in um, to those leagues and dynasties and keeper leagues um, along yeah. the way. To, to, to come back to then more of a, a, a single season approach, um, mm-hmm. who are those guys that you just are really bullish on this year? Yeah. That again, it's all dependent on where you pick them because the value of where you pick them is inbuilt at the at the point of a pick. For example, yeah. Isaac Heaney is your F1 mm. in your in the third round, as opposed to Isaac Heaney in your fifth or sixth round, the pop doesn't have to be as high Correct. because of where yeah. you get them. Who are those guys that for you you go, look, once those opening half a dozen rounds have gone mm. and you're starting for look for the guy that could pop. Who are some guys that you're kind of going, look, it all depends where I get them, but at the right spot, I'm all on them. Who are some of the names you've got for us? Okay. Um, much later than the first four or five, six rounds, um, but sure. later in the draft, um, Mitch Hinge is one that I'm really bullish on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gets a really good opportunity at Adelaide in a position that he can rack up a lot of points in. Defender um, eligible too, yep. Defender eligible, that's it. Um, so, yeah, he's one that I'm, I'm very bullish on. Um, looking at Richmond, I think Dion Prestier is one that needs to be 100%. highlighted for you. Um, he's had a, a lean couple of years, primarily through injury than anything else. Um, yeah. And so that's um, definitely a factor there. Um, and then um, beyond that, who else do I really like this year? Um, yeah, those port kids that have taken that little bit of time to start mm-hmm. scoring from a a, a dream team point of view, they've been valuable on field, but um, but your butters and Georgiades even, I think, are worthwhile. Yeah, um, yeah those are um, those are the sorts of players I like to look at. Those that are you know those two or three years into their career that haven't quite gone yet, and people have forgotten why they were first round picks in a keeper league a couple of years ago, um, but have still got that real potential to to just go off now. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. So, all right. So there's a couple of, you know, breakout-ish sort of guys. And I, I got two questions kind of off the back of that. That yep. In salary cap, it's a little different, this thought, because it's the they're priced at a similar range. I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to things like a, where do you rank a Caleb Sarong, a Matt Crouch, mm. and an Elliot Yo type alongside each other? One, the third-year breakout guy, as opposed yep. to the proven but coming back off injury. Mm-hmm. What's the determining factor for you to choose a Sarong over a Matt Crouch or the reverse? Yeah, I, I would pick Sarong over Matt Crouch comfortably um, coming into this year and either of them significantly over Yo. Um, you talked earlier about players I don't want to draft. He's one. Um, right. But the um, Crouch is definitely draftable for me. Um, he's got that ceiling. He's got that potential. And I think um, yeah, all the noise seems to be positive at the minute that he's going to be okay this year. Yeah. Um, the, but for Sarong, it's that, 
I don't know. It's that that feeling of momentum, I guess, is what I really like about a player like him. Um, mm. You could put Shara in the same basket. Taron Thomas yeah. that I mentioned before. Noah Anderson is another. Um, these sort of players that are coming into, they're just starting to hit their straps properly. That um, you know, They've had a, a year or two, a couple of preseasons to, to know what they're doing, to feel more comfortable in the game. They're already proven ball winners to a point. They've had those games where they've notched the 100. Um, and they're now at that sort of age and experience and in a team in a position where they've got that potential to do it more and more regularly. Um, Davis Uniaki is one from a, a few years ago now. He's a little mm. older than some of those others where he's been a slow burn. And for a time, you couldn't trade him for anything in a draft league because no. people have written him off. Um, now he's coming off a year where he averaged 80 or so. Um, but in those last handful of rounds, he was going at 90. Um, I think he had a 110, 115 in you know, one of the last couple of rounds there. So, um, And North with that midfield improving significantly and players like Zebel not in it, they're in a different mm. part of the ground. He's got that space and time to become that player that can accumulate and, um, through the middle. So, that's the sort of player I really enjoy drafting. You're taking a bit of a, a punt on them, but you get enough of those right as you, you M sort of three or four through to the, the tail. Um, you find yourself significantly placed um, picking up those guys that are capable of 100 average or close to it sure. um, by getting them later and filling up on on forwards and backs or, you know, and it might be the forwards and backs where you see potential for that type of player that, um, you yeah, know, there's, different angles to go with it, but they're the sort that I like to get a little bit after the the big names, so to speak, have already been taken. So um, you, you mentioned Liam a couple Shields of names is an there. example. Sorry, I'll just yeah, go yeah, back. No, go um, Shields, yeah. yeah, Liam Shields is an example of that guy that I hate drafting because he's that guy that's going to score you 75 to 85 almost every week. Um, and he'll probably average around that mark for the season, but just doesn't seem to have much of that ceiling about him anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the older he gets and the more that Hawthorne rejuvenate, the less comfortable I feel about his place in the 22, much as he might be a, a leader of sorts at the club and that he's sure. been there for, you know, he's been well established there. But at some point, Hawthorne have got to look at it and go, do we want to give Liam Shields a game or do we want to give Connor McDonald a game um, with yeah, a view to right. contending in two or three years' time? Um, and I'm not picking Shields in, in that situation. So, um that's, that's, I guess, a, a little bit behind my thought process, I suppose. No, no, it's good. And I think that's it's important. It's it's not just telling people what to do, where to pick them, how to pick them. It, it's the mindset to help challenge or encourage a current way of thinking. Um, both both are helpful in the preseason. All right, pre-season. All right. One last question before we wrap up the episode. And by the way, um, around about the time of the Queen's birthday long weekend, our Patreons are going to get access to Jimmy's draft Rankings, so you can go and I know there are some others that have got some great draft kits out there, so you can go and check them out too. But a great exclusive for our Patreons only is you'll get an opportunity to check it out, and if you wish to draft with Jimmy's draft rankings, so you can just draft as well as uh, the good man he, as he does every <laughs> single year if you want to go and draft off that. But premiership's not guaranteed, just quietly. But uh, no, 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 you meant to say it is, mate. That's how we get people signing up, but that's fine. I, I appreciate the humility that is <laughs> the, the refunds that you're paying out in September. I'm not sure what the signups you're getting. Yeah, in okay, yeah, no, no, quietly, fair shout. okay, fair <laughs> shout. Yeah, we won't, there'll be no coaches panel.tv in September because we've had to pay out. That's um, it. We, no, we've taken the 
money and run. That's what we've done. That's, that's how this works, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's totally how this is working. Uh, yeah. One last question, because you mentioned a few guys there that ended the season well. So mm. Taran Thomas, Luke Davies, Uniac, uh, Fiorini. Um, mm-hmm. These are the guys that stormed home last year, were given opportunities and thrived. Mm. How much do you read into an end of a season and even, I suppose, on the, alongside that, the mm. pre-season hype that we see through these intra-club and practice games, yeah. do either of them have a greater say or sway to you? Um, end of season weighs more to me than pre-season does. Yep. Um, in both, though, I think you've got to look at who was actually playing in those games and did that contribute to those scores. Um, you know, we, we look at um, you know, these pre-season games now and there's a lot of players that aren't playing and then you see others step up and, and assume that role and, and, and score those points accordingly and that gets everybody very excited. Um, that may or may not eventuate come round one. It could be a very different lineup we're seeing and those players aren't given that same amount of midfield rotation or mm. aren't kicking the same volume of goals because they're not in the position to do so. They might not be playing at all. Um, so I think there's, there is a lot that needs to be read into that, um, but a strong form line to finish the year is, is certainly valuable, I think, from where I'm sitting in terms of um, what that sort of indicates about the player's role in a, a side that you know, theoretically is fully strength or close to it, um, more so than a practice game where, um, you know, as the great Dan Swan uh, only tweeted uh, a day or two ago to remind us that, in his view, the players that uh, tried hard in preseason were, were mostly the ones that were worried about whether they'd get a game in round one uh, mm-hmm. rather than uh, perhaps himself, as he might have suggested, that didn't give us stuff until uh, Anzac Day. So it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, that's preseason games do, I think, need to be taken a lot with a grain of salt. And as we've said, rollover points is the key thing there. Um, yes. And our premiums, they just need to get through the game unscathed. unscathed. Um, yeah. That's it. And not be... Um, completely so far out of position that we have to start asking questions as to why. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really, really good advice. Hey, Jimmy, mate, appreciate your work because you've given us a little bit of insight into some draft strategies, some specific players for single and keeper leagues and just some of your wisdom uh, as we enter into draft season. Thank you, mate. No, look, anytime, mate. Happy to help. If you want to go and uh, check out any of our draft content that has been dropping right throughout the preseason, uh, those rankings for Keeper League, uh, stuff that we mentioned as tears from Kane and I, uh, a bunch of other stuff is there at coachespanel.tv. All of your salary cap content, strategies, player reviews, all also at coachespanel.tv. Right throughout the preseason, we've still got podcasts dropping every couple of days to help you make the most informed decisions about the fantasy format you choose to play and help you make great decisions along the way. We wish you all the best, and we can't wait to chat to you the next time here. From everyone at the Coaches Panel, good luck. We'll chat to you soon. Everybody.